everyone, and welcome to episode 379 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Fred Olive, and we have a small crew this week. Richard uh, had something come up at the last second, had to run off, so no Richard today, but I'm joined by... Krim, probably better known as the Asian Avenger. How are you this morning, Krim? Yo, good morning, Seth. Uh, pretty good. I'm excited because we've got a new standard and, you know, uh, some some good news, I guess, and maybe some bad news going all the way back to, like, Explorer and all of that stuff, too. Yeah, so today, as far as the cast, uh, want to talk a little bit about, like, first impressions of Streets of New Capenna. We actually got the cards out now, so we can talk about our experiences playing New Standard, uh, Explorer, of, K- of course, came to Arena, so we can talk about that. Maybe Pioneer and Modern as well a little bit. So we wanted to hit up SNC. Also, we had some changes to Constructed Events on Arena that I kind of wanted to see what you thought of them. There's also a surprisingly long gap between standards. I just wanted to get into that and then hopefully answer some fish mail questions. So that's the overview of the cast for today. Before we jump into it though, a quick reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And we've been telling you about Card Conduit, an amazing way to sell your magic collection and their curated shipment service that lets you sell your valuable cards with a reduced service fee for a little while now. And as long as your cards have at least a $2 more retail value, you can send in as many as you want and still just pay a 5% service fee. And as with all of Card Conduit services, you don't gotta sort your cards, you don't gotta grade your cards, you get to skip over all those assholes and just safely package everything up and ship them out and you'll also get a detailed report with the results. So you can check out Card Conduit's curated shipment option as a way to buy list cards with fast processing, optimized prices, and the low, low service fee of just 5%. And right now, you can even get a 10% discount by going over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish. Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some magic. So Streets of New Capenna, we had what, early access day just under a week ago and then the set fully released thursday slash kind of friday because we had a lot of bugs on thursday so it took a little while to actually get going get going uh krim how have you been enjoying these new cards in this new format what's your your first impression of streets of new cabana um so so far at least from everything that i've gotten to play of course you know you could probably figure out the two families i've dove i've dove into right or i've really taken a, a, a real big crack at and that is maestros and of course obscura Right. And I have, I have to say that I think Raffin, Rafine, Raffin. Oh, Rafine. That Whatever, card is yeah. the I truth. I call him Rafine, but. Yeah, Raffin. Are you playing, are yeah. you playing it in like creature decks or in like control decks? Both. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, I've been playing them both because if, when you think about it, right? Like how control decks are now, it's almost like they're all borderline super friends decks, right? Like if you're looking at the Esper colors. And on, on, on paper, it looks like, okay, there's not that many creatures. Uh, you're really just playing Raffin and maybe like something else on the way. But when, when you actually, uh, look at it a little bit harder and deeper into the, the deck, you are making a ton of tokens. You're playing wedding announcements. You've got wandering emperors. You've got Sorens, Kaidos, you know, Lolths. And, and like you are playing creature lands and it itself can trigger on its own, right? So I've found that it's actually just fine. In, in a control deck, right? Like more of like tap out control is what I mean though. Not like pure control where like I'm holding up counter spells, but with the way this meta is shaping up, it's hard to play just a pure control deck anyways, right? I think the, the way to play control right now is tap out, especially week one. Um, so I have really liked Raffin. I think this card is like absurd. It's so good. Um, the filtering is beautiful, uh, and, and it, it's smooth as hell and, I don't know. I th- that card has really impressed me, along with Luxior. Um, oh yeah, I, that card's so sweet. Right. I I did a, a little. I, I just put out a video or whatever on the website, and I like okay. I've been jamming Luxior in standard as a meme at first, and then I actually played it and like just kept playing it, and it's really good. It's really good. Like getting a wandering emperor and then equipping her with it. It just, it feels so nice. Of course, it does suck. Like when they ha- like use creature removal on it, but you know, that's why cards like Kaya and whatnot are, are absolutely houses. Uh, and it feels like just, oh, it's so, I, cards get, it's like just spiral out of control 
with uh, Luxio are pretty quick. If like I just get to keep it on a planeswalker and the planeswalker goes unanswered, then it truly becomes this absurd value engine. Not only are you beating face, but you're getting an activation every turn. It, it's so nice. Yeah, I I have played a little bit of Luxio, and oh my goodness, it's it's just such a cool card. And I think really. I don't think it's just a meme. Like, I think it actually has potential to be pretty good. It kind of surprised me, too, because at first I was like, okay, like, sure, there's combos in modern, but in standard, this is this is probably an against odds card. And then I put it on a planeswalker and I was like, wow, okay, maybe this is not an against odds card. Like, maybe this card could actually be pretty legit. It's just like so efficient. And once you get it on a planeswalker, it's really powerful. I haven't played Esper yet. I, well, I guess I played a tiny bit during early access day, like an Esper Connive deck, but right. I played against Esper a lot. Uh, I've seen some Rafine builds really, really strong. Rafine itself is just like so impressive. Like once the deck gets going, Rafine is just making creatures huge and one shotting people and it's still drawing through the deck to find all the action need. So, so good. The other deck I've been impressed by Esper wise is just like full on Esper control. And maybe it's partly the decks that I've been playing. I've been, you know, trying to resolve bootlegger stashes and uh, arcane <laughs> bombardments and stuff like that. But in the in those decks are sweet, but the Esper decks are like the hard foil to everything I try to do because with Vanishing Verse and Voidrend, oh my God, they're so good at killing everything. Like just nothing, nothing sticks on the battlefield. And then you add in Farewell and then you add in Strong Planeswalkers like Wandering Emperor or Lolth or whatever and you add in Wedding Announcement and you just like put all that stuff together and the shell is really, really strong. I actually think that Esper Control or some sort of like uh, tap out control tempo something has a lot of potential to be maybe one of the best decks in uh, in Streets of New Capenna standard, honestly. I mean, I, I won't lie to you. I, I, I obviously have a little bit of a bias there, right? I mean, that's the card I, I climbed to high myth, or that's the deck I climbed to high mythic with these last couple of seasons. Uh, and you know, like I'm, I'm not surprised, right? Like the, I wait. When you say pure control, are we talking like counter spells and just like only counter spells and like a few planeswalkers and things like that and like a hall breaker? Or uh, are we? It's more well. Yeah, I've seen some decks like that, but usually not super counter heavy. It seems like rather okay. than countering stuff, yeah. a lot of those decks are like Vanishing Verse, Void Rend, like tons of unconditional removal and maybe like a few like counters or yeah. count as a counters coming out of the sideboard, but not really the typical like draw, go, hold up a counter play pattern. More like tap out, have this absurd removal, have absurd planeswalkers, a whole break core, maybe you were Fiend or something in there to be your finisher and just like going that direction. Yeah, okay. okay. Okay, yeah, see, like, yeah, so, like, more tap out, which is what I expect for this so far, uh, everything. Like, th this whole standard tier, I've kind of dropped counter spells, which sounds weird. Um, but uh, a card that, you know, another thing that's great about uh, Raffin uh, is, I believe, Obscura Charm, right? Brings it back, uh, brings Kaido yep. back. So, like, there's moves to be made here with Obscura Charm, and it is, it's still pretty good. Uh, so I've been playing that, and you know, it just happens to also be a counter spell on top of everything else that we had mentioned, right? Uh, so yeah. the, the, the deck has, like, another card that has been very impressive to me is Obscura Interceptor. That, yes. th that card has been another haymaker, and I'm pretty happy that, you know, I was pretty high on this card already at the beginning of spoiler season. Uh, I was worried, like, how, like, you know, is this Venser? Is Venser even good? <laughs> and, and it turns out, you know, giving Venser, you know, uh, the ability to potentially be a 4-2 with lifelink is really nice when you attach it with a loot. It's a, like, like the loot is, is big. It's so good. Uh, I, I, I think connive is even better than advertised. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's an incredibly powerful mechanic, and Interceptor is a really good card, especially like there's a lot of uh, we were just talking about tap out control decks where people are like, okay, I'm gonna try to resolve a Sorin or yeah. another card that's kind of taken off more than I expected is New Elspeth actually is showing up in quite a few decks, usually like as a one of or a two of, but there's a lot of decks playing that. In Obscure Interceptor is just such a great tempo play, and then worst case you just run it out as like a four two lifelinker that ETB loots, which is that's fine too. Like even if you're not really countering something impactful or bouncing something impactful it's still a really impressive card so yeah i think uh, that's definitely been a, a winner as well what about for other color combinations moving away from control a little bit i think one thing that surprised me and maybe it's just the matches i've played 
I've seen way more white based decks, uh, way more Elspeth is in Kaidos, and I have seen Obnixiluses actually in Standard. Like, yeah. I've seen some Obnixiluses, and they've been really good, but I don't think Obnixilus has taken off yet as fast as I was expecting it to in Standard. Have you noticed that at all uh, yourself? Uh, you know, I think it's because the initial first reactions were a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to Obnixilis, right? Like, uh, you know, everyone was asking for it to be banned already, and I'm just like, there's, it's, it's really good. I think it's really good against, you know, a control deck, uh, but if you, like, attack it, or if you have a one-drop, how does that card beat it? Right? Like, yeah. Like, I, I, and, and I think one of the funniest things is I've, uh, to to kind of slightly touch up on that, like I mean, I I do think that the Jund, you know, chariot poop out an Obnixilus, and every time you attack is obviously busted, right? Like that's very powerful, but that's just really good, right? And I I've been playing this Maestro's Reanimator uh, deck, uh, and Ooh. I and uh, it's been a lot of fun because I'd mentioned a little before, right? Like that I felt that Maestro's and all that had a reanimator shell and right now the graveyard hate is a little like a uh, soft if you would i don't think anybody's like making me re- like really respect and be honest you know because there's not that much graveyard hate yet um so i've been playing that and anytime i've played against an obnixilis i'm like yes i will discard <laughs> yeah it's actually actually an up oh my god oh my god. are you reanimating uh lord xander yes Graham? yes that's what you're doing yes i am and i've attacked with lord xander a many and it feels very good <laughs> uh, uh speaking uh speaking of lord xander i i had this bright idea that i was gonna play it in uh explore vampires because you can put it into play yeah, with soren i thought that was gonna be really sweet so the first match i fire it up and i have have the combo i got soren i have turn three xander i play it opponent's got a discard i attack with it I mailed three cauldron familiars and then end up losing to cats chump blocking my, my uh. Xandrin painted me out of the game. So so my my nightmare came true in like the very first match. There's been other matches where it's like super good and the ETB is super good. And a turn three Xander is still really good, but it was just funny because that was something I was worried about is the downside of milling your opponent in the very first match I played. I was like, oh my god, cat oven. Like that's this is like the worst matchup for milling half your opponent's deck. Yeah, and and you know, it turns out cat oven still pretty good in the year. 2022 you know it's 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 pretty hilarious how good that that deck is so like i mean (laughs) that is extremely unfortunate i wanted to do that soren uh that combo deck thing uh but like yeah like i was curious how powerful it'd be in older formats but i i do uh, that's you know that's been my thing right now actually outside of the maestros like and finding like the right deck it is a little early right it is very early but I don't know if there what what kind of builds there are. Like it doesn't feel like it's that strong yet. I've been and, and granted that I've been jamming a lot of like what is it? Uh Avon Heart Stabber. I th- I think is the card is what it's called. Um I've I've been playing like a little bit of it, like a Maestro's Tempo deck and you know it uses Ooh. Avon Heart Stabber. It kind of ca- uses Mana Lyrium or whatever that ability is. And it revolves around having multiple types in the yard. I've been using Corpse Appraiser, Overcharged Amalgam, of course, like Kaido, Obnixilis, and things like that. And, you know, like, it's... I've also been playing with Hostile Takeover. That card has been pretty sweet in my Grixis Tempo deck. Um, oh, has it actually been good? That was I had that pegged as, like, one of the worst rares from the set. But is, has it actually been working in, uh, in Standard? I mean, I, I have played against the matchups that I've wanted, right? So any any weenie deck or anything go wide. Obviously, if Paulo t- hits it, then it's like, okay, if they elite spellbinder you, you're never casting that spell before you die. But yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah like I that card has been pretty sweet so far, being able to save my own board. Uh, or my best creature, turn it into a 4-4, right? And then, and then every, and then turn something else into a 1-1 has been relevant. It has been very relevant. It's been super sweet to see. Um, and yeah, like, uh, even Heartstabber, I think is a card that also, I think has a home. Uh, I'm working on it. It, it feels pretty good. I don't know if it's my bias towards, uh, like, uh, I've been trying to build my own pseudo, uh, sh- what is it? Strix bird. Uh, uh, yeah, Baleful Strix. Baleful yeah. Strix, yes. That card, I've been trying to build my own with it, and it's been very interesting because when it dies, you mill two and then you draw a card. That card is 
it's medium right now. It's very mid, but I think it has it has play to it. Um, and tenacious underdog is the truth. Corpse Appraiser, the tr- okay. I, I think is the truth. If there is a, a Maestro's deck, I think Corpse Appraiser's in it. Oh, Corpse Appraiser, that card has impressed me so much. Like, that card is so good. That's, honestly, if we were redoing our top 10 list now, I might actually put that on there. Like, that card just, it's it's graveyard hate, it's card advantage, it's body's good enough, it's just such a good uncommon. Uh, so, yeah, that card's been very surprisingly good. I kind of overlooked it during spoiler season, but every time I've cast it, it's just felt really, really powerful to the point where I, I'm kind of curious if that can maybe even make its way back to, like, Explorer or Pine pioneer it's a vampire so there's like shells for it already so yeah that's a card that's really kind of caught me by surprise with its power i think one of my favorite decks that i've been playing is actually a a hideaway deck the the hideaway enchantments were kind of somewhat debated during spoiler season they didn't really look super powerful but i think the the deck that i've had the most fun with since uh series of new Copenna came out is actually go gary hideaway that has uh fight rigging but also playing the graveyard one cemetery tamper yeah, yeah. and then you just play like titan of industries and tox rolls and with the help of like egon and shakedown heavy fight rigging is actually a legit scary card like it's not that hard to like play a fight rigging on turn three and then turn four follow it up with something that triggers it and just yeah. get like a turn four tox or tiny industry and that's enough to win the game so that's uh that's been something that's been really surprising to me because i wasn't sure those cards were going to be good and then you can also throw in kind of the reanimator synergies as well because you got like diagraph rebirth you're filling your graveyard with the black hideaway card so then you can also just reanimate your stuff so that's a deck that i think maybe people haven't really caught on to yet but i actually think that uh the hideaway cards have a little bit more potential than i gave them credit for really i think they're they're better than i expected yeah uh, especially the the white enchantment the that that one the one that gets you more bodies oh, just rabble rousing oh. yeah like I that that has been a, a powerful powerful card like it turns a board of two people into like just like the like it just all gets gets pretty wild and unruly after a certain point so uh yeah like that an, another thing that's also been pretty good for me is the maestro's charm um I love maestro's charm I I I think it's great in standard. I think it's the draw to going Maestro's colors. Uh like like no joke, it's just been the truth. Uh, and and obviously Obscura Charm and even uh uh Cabaretti. Like the weak everyone's perceived weakest one is still really good. So, I think our top 10 video how we had mentioned the charms being number 1, I think that feels pretty spot on so far. And if the if like yeah. I don't know what Riveteer looks like. But if, but I have to imagine the charm is also going to be at the center. The Bant one, as I called it, feels like the weakest one. Everyone really liked that, but I felt like it, that one sucks. I feel like I haven't really seen many Bant decks. If there's, there's color combinations that so far have maybe disappointed, and obviously this is super incredibly early. So I don't think these color combinations are bad. It's just that we probably haven't figured them out yet. But Bant, I haven't seen a whole lot of. And I also really haven't seen the token stuff out of Naya yet. I was thinking Jetmere and Ginny Vase, and uh, those decks just really haven't found their footing yet. And I feel like they're both archetypes that have potential. Like, the power is there. But so far, just so many Elspis and Wandering Emperors and, like, Black White and uh, Esper, that's what I've seen the most by far. It's also interesting if we look at some of the the Moto results. We don't have big tournaments yet, Mm -hmm. but we do have some standard challenges, which are kind of like relatively competitive events. There's been a couple of angel decks, which I wasn't sure they would make it, but there's been a couple showing up in like the top 32 playing like Gaida and then just all the random like youthful Valkyries and righteous Valkyries. And there's the angel sagas still. So we'll have to see if they're actually legitimate, but it's cool to see angels like kind of sort of taking off in standard a little bit because I wasn't sure if they were going to make it or not, but Guidus seems to be enough to uh, to make that tribe playable in standard at least. Yeah. At least it's like a tier two or tier three option. That's what I was wondering. Like, did Giada like really? Is this? I think this is just an early week thing because also also like I I, I don't know how popular standard is on on Moto, um right like so like I don't know because I think yeah. our, there, there's a few like leagues or whatever right so you you kind of have uh some info out there. Uh, but like, yeah, like we don't see that much Hinata. We don't see like Rakdos artifacts. We don't see, you know, uh, uh, auras and things like that. And it's like, there's no way those decks just fell off the meta because of these decks. So 
I, I think that we're definitely seeing what is just like week one or week zero and lots of people still testing yeah. and trying things out. So I think in the coming weeks, we're going to see those, uh, the, the tier decks climbing their way back in. And at that point, that's when I really get to test out some of these decks. So I, I, I don't know. And a, a card that is a reprint that is really good right now is Fairy Vandal. Ooh, what are you playing Fairy Vandal in? My Esper Tempo decks. And Interesting. Connive. Oh my god. <laughs> that card grows does make it. so fast. Yeah. Easy to draw two cards in a turn with uh with Connive. Yeah, I hadn't I had thought about playing Fairy Vandal in like a, a Delvery like tempo style shell, but I hadn't really thought about playing it in Esper with Rafine, but I actually I kind of like that idea. That seems like that could actually be pretty good. Yeah, I've been jamming it there. And, like, you know, like, the curve has been, I like, any of these, it goes Fairy Vandal into Kaido or Rafine or Raffin. And then you're just pumping that, right? And Kaido's sitting there generating value. And you don't think much of it because you're like, okay, big, big, beefy body, whatever, I'll deal with it later. But you are also having to follow it up, like... They, it's not like the deck just sits there and doesn't do anything else. There's tons of other things that come down with it. And decks that are like relying on Meat Hook Massacre, it makes it really awkward because the card gets real big. Uh, and Raffin decks get around Meat Hook Massacre, uh, quite easily because of all the conniving and the growing and all that stuff. So forcing your opponent to spend essentially what is their whole turn or maybe even pushing it back a turn just to fully sweep your board feels so good right now. So I, I again, I, I like Fairy Vandal has been, uh, just like the truth. I, I think it is pretty good right now. So outside of standard, I haven't seen a ton of streets and new Capenna stuff. I think the biggest winner outside of standard is is probably unsurprising, which is Obnixilis. Uh, there's been <laughs> yeah. a couple of decks in Pioneer and in Modern, actually, that are playing three, four copies and kind of build around it. There's one really sweet Modern deck that's like kind of a Rakdosek deck that has not only Obnixilis, but also one Lucky Witness, which is a card I kind of looked over. The, the new one drop that when it dies, you get to draw yep. two cards for the turn or Impulse draw two cards for the turn and is playing like Lightning. Skelemental, which is like a hilarious thing to sack top Nixless. After you get in your combat damage, you're gonna add six counters, uh, six loyalty counters, almost be to ultimate. So we've seen that. We've also seen in Pioneer. Along with the sack deck homes, which was kind of expected, we've also seen Mono Black, uh, Mono Black Aggro, actually just splashing into Rakdos just to play Obnixilis. Like, it's just the normal Mono Black Aggro deck, uh, with Tenacious Underdog being added as well, but it's splashing to, uh, for Obnixilis. So, even though Obnixilis I haven't seen as much as I would have thought in Standard yet, it's certainly still making an impact in older formats, and I still think it is, like, one of the better cards from the set. The only other thing I've really seen in older formats is... Uh, the Luxor, like, infinite mana devoted to yeah, combo. Yeah, So, it'll be interesting to see if anyone figures out a way to make more of these cards work in, uh, in like, Modern or Pioneer or how Streets of New Capenna falls there. The other thing I want to ask you, Krim, before I move on to other topics, we also got the launch of Explorer on Arena. Right, right. How has your Explorer experience been? Uh, Streets of New Capenna or otherwise, have you got to play the format uh, at all yet? I've mostly been focusing on standard but i have played a few games of explorer um and to me right now it just feels like historic minus like <laughs> like modern horizons uh because and this is heavily because you know we don't have the card pool yet so this is like pre alchemy pre like you know like all of that kind of historic and that's what it is so yeah yeah like i mean i think that Winota is a problem. Like Winota is a problem. I still think that card is absurd. Uh, I don't, I don't know how that is not a card that gets banned again instantly. Like that is something that should have been on the ban list upon the re-release, uh, the launch of the, uh, the meta. Yeah. I, I also am wondering if they should have uh, had a ban list going into the format. They, they had mentioned that. In this weird in-between period where we wait for Explorer to become Pioneer, that we might have different a different ban list. Like stuff that's legal in Pioneer might be banned in Explorer. I'm kind of wondering if that might be necessary sooner than we think. There's been a lot of complaints uh, on social media about Winota for one. The other one that I totally missed is uh, the rise of Tibalt's Trickery again is apparently <laughs> yeah. like a pretty big issue in Best of One because uh, just of the weird incentives on a 
arena because incentive is to get 10 wins as quick as possible to get all your rewards so you don't really care if you lose a ton if you can just play matches that last two minutes like that's the fastest way to hit your rewards so we're seeing that play pattern again so i wonder if maybe we're gonna need to see at least in best of one and maybe in best of three as well i don't know how they're gonna handle the ban list but maybe we're gonna have to see some bannings and explore relatively relatively quickly if not winota at least uh, at least trickery because boy everyone I think everyone just hates the trickery deck play pattern. Like it's it's not a fun experience if that's a deck you're running into regularly in the on the ladder in the queues or whatever on arena. So I've played it a little bit. It's been fun. Uh although I also have been mostly focused on standard, but I think I would agree it feels pioneer-ish, but not exactly to to pioneer's level yet. But I'm really hopeful that maybe we'll get some more cards relatively quickly and uh, and get to real pioneer in the not super distant future. So, any other uh, any other thoughts on SNC stuff, Graham? Uh, Streets and New Cabana before we jump over to a couple other topics. Uh, yeah, no, I you know what? For right now, I, I'll probably remember it later at a weird time. Yeah. Well, if you remember, if you remember it later, you bring it up later. All right, so I got a question for you, Graham. Yeah. Along with Streets of New Capenna, we had a big update on Magic Arena, and one of the updates was to constructed events. Wizards had said a while ago, uh, I think during the, the economy stream, actually, that they were going to improve constructed events. So we actually got these new constructed events. We got the prize payouts, and I'm really curious what you think of these events and how much of an improvement they actually represent for players so if you look at the the new events and we're going to talk about best of three here best of one is pretty similar um the big addition is you can win packs now which is something you couldn't win before uh they cost right. five thousand gold or 750 gems to enter the event so you win a pack with zero wins you win a pack with one win two wins three wins four wins you get two packs five wins you get three packs the problem I have with it, and the question I have for you is, the gem payout is pretty low. It's 750 gems to enter, and let's say you get two wins, you only get back 150 gems. Even at three wins with a, a winning record going three and two, you get back 600 gems. So you're like 150 gems short of buying back in. So to actually get your gem entry fee back, you gotta get at least four wins. So four or five wins. Uh, what do you think of this structure? Like. Is getting packs enough of an upside, or is the fact that you got to win at a, a really high rate? I've seen some people mathing this out, and like to go infinite and chain events together, you got to win like 75 ish percent of the time, which is just that's not a realistic win rate for anyone in Magic. So, do you think it's a, it's too difficult to chain together events, or do you like the packs being added to the mix of these constructed events? Uh, yeah, that the, I, th I think right now I haven't actually had the chance to play a ton of these events yet. But from the way that the price structure of this looks, it feels a bit much to like even break to get even to break even. So, yeah. I mean, if you put put heavy value in the packs i think that helps like if you're if you look at it from the perspective of like okay i'm trying to build my collection uh i get these packs that like kind of helps but i do really worry about just like how hard it is to get into another event like on magic online one of the things i love about magic online is if you play a league and you go three two you get your entry fee back and you get a treasure chest so you come out a little bit ahead and even if you go two and three on magic online you get back half your entry fee so it's actually like relatively easy to be able to take and just churn through events like you if you have a reasonable win rate you can just play event play an event play an event it seems really really difficult to do that on arena i i kind of wish they would uh, at least make it so if you go three and two you get back your 750 gems so you can just jump into another one even if they got to cut i don't know a, a pack away from somewhere or something if, if that's the issue and they don't want to just be more generous overall i really feel like the the carrot of being able to chain wins together is important to getting people to to enter these events like the the possibility of going infinite i think is something that motivates people to to actually play even if you don't go infinite just the thought that oh if i do well enough i can do another one of these and i do another one of these i think that's relatively important or but i don't know maybe i'm overrating that like does the possibility of like realistically going infinite quote unquote do you think that actually matters I th I think the idea of going infinite is what every player wants, right? Something that they can just continuously loop into for doing well. Um, and it seems pretty hard to go infinite with this. So yeah, like going three and two, at, like on Moto, 
at least guarantees you another entry, right? Like, because you get like what a hundred yeah. points, and then so yeah, I I think I think that's something that they need to do here, right? Like, I need to be able to go at the very least. I think how many rounds is it i believe let me let me look at this again it's like five rounds it's a it's five yeah it's five rounds for the best of three yeah and seven for best at one yeah so it's like the like so it is just the old uh events restruct or like kind of restructured for prizes and uh yeah i don't know i mean i think i think the another appeal to all of this is like there should be a trophy page right like that, yeah, oh, I, yeah. That's the that's the other. Oh my goodness! Yes, I'm glad you brought that up because that is another thing that really motivates people. Right? We see that on Magic Online all the time. People people want to get their name published. They want the the prestige that goes yeah. along with getting a five zero. Like that's the that's one of the biggest reasons to play a league on Magic Online is the dream of like getting your name published and it's on MTG Goldfish and it's on the Mothership and people are like, oh, that's such a cool deck and this person played it. That's really missing from Arena too, with everything being anonymous. I wish there was at least a way to opt in to some sort of leaderboard to your name getting published for stuff like that because i think a lot of people would want it if they don't want if they don't want to be required that's fine you can still have platinum mythic rank players or whatever for the people who don't want their name out there but i think it would be really sweet if it was a little bit more like magic online in that way as well right yeah like you just had the handle up there and then like like on a page or something so i think it's a mixture of things here right like in order for this to take off which I, I want it to. I think the, I, like they're, they're moving in the right direction. Uh, but I think you got to add a trophy race or a trophy vault kind of thing, right? Keeps like how when you go on moto, there's like, Hey, these, this many people have gotten five undefeated trophies, right? Things like that. So I don't know. I, I, it, it's a step in the right direction, but for right now, I think uh, the price structure just needs a little bit of reworking. Cause it's 10,000 yeah, gold or 50, no, no, no. It, how, let me see here. It, that's for for drafting, right? So how much is oh, it? Oh, five five thousand yeah. gold or seven fifty gems to uh, to enter the event. Yeah, see there, like that. That's a that's a bit much because you don't get to go infinite, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at is what I would like to see is looking just looking over the structure of this. If you have to like cut the second pack from two wins or even from three, like personally. If I played one of these events and got three wins, I would rather get one pack and get my entry fee back so I can play another one than get two packs, but not enough gems to play another event. So I, I would like to see them shift the structure a little bit, even if they got to cut back on the amount of packs that they're rewarding, just to give people the the dream that if you can win enough, you can keep chaining these events together. And maybe Wizards is like, doesn't want that. Maybe they're, they don't want the possibility of going infinite on, uh, on Magic Arena, but... I don't know. I would like to see that be a possibility. I feel like it's just people are going to run out of uh, out of their gems too quickly with this structure because getting four wins, which is the amount you need to you, you end up plus 50 gems if you get four wins going four and one. Wow, that's not easy like to do consistently. That's a that's 80 percent win rate to go four and one in an event. And even the best players in the world don't consistently have a win rate anywhere near 80 percent. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I, I moving in the right direction, though. I'm glad they're updating it. Me too. I, I I honestly feel like this could be fixed. The the things I dislike about it could be fixed with a couple of really small tweaks. So I I like that they're making strides and they're trying to improve things. I feel like maybe they missed a little bit with this prize structure, but I feel like it should be something that would be really easy for them to fix in the future. And I, I hope that they do. All right, another another question for you, Grim. Uh, we just got Theresa Nukapena. It just released. I didn't. We we're going through this weird year where we're seeing a huge change in when sets are released. Uh, last fall, we had the two Innistrad sets right in a row, and then uh, now we just got Streets of New Capenna. The next standard set, I didn't realize this until today, doesn't actually release until the end of September, when uh, the Innistrad set, first Innistrad set released last year. That means we're at, what, May 1st, essentially, May 2nd today. We have May, June, July, August, and honestly, most of September, before any changes happen to standard. So we have like five months here before we get to rotation, yeah. before we get another set. To me, that feels like a really long time. We certainly have a ton of products coming out over that time. We got Double Masters, we got Commander Legends too. So it's not like we're lacking products, but for standard in specific, 
that's a long time without a new set coming in or any changes happening. What do you think of just this huge gap in time between sets and standard? It's pretty awkward, right? Like, like I, I think only because it, 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 that's how it was before. But except for there would be a well, core set in between. Right? Yeah, like, we would usually get a core set in like July and then yeah, and then we get rotation and a new set in September. So we're basically missing the core set more or less and instead we're getting two sets in the fall like a couple months apart like we had with Innistrad. Yeah. That's that's a bit awkward. I don't know. I mean because we got we got used to the uh constant like the this like just constantly being in a state of like spoiler season, right? So now this feels like an awkward gap. It, it, yeah, I I worry about arena in specific, and like, what do you what do you play? Because standard is as much as I love standard, especially around set releases. After a while, standard normally ends up getting kind of salved ish. You got two or three months, and then you're kind of ready for the new set to come out and shake things up. This time, two or three months, we're still gonna have another couple months until we get a set. So I'm actually really. I'm wondering what arena players are going to play. I guess, thankfully, we have Explorer, and we know, I think what Wizards was thinking, and I think this backfired on them, but we know we're getting uh, the Alchemy Commander Legends, whatever they're calling it, Alchemy Horizons Commander Legends 2, whatever that set is. So we're getting this set, but it's not going to be standard legal, but it seems like that's going to be the set that uh, controls the mastery tree. That's going to be the big release. It's going to be draftable. So I think Wizards was thinking, okay, sure, there's a long gap in standard, but that's fine. We're going to have this alchemy set, so everyone will just play alchemy over the summer. But the the reaction to alchemy was so negative from so many people that I'm not sure that's actually going to work because you got so many people that are just anti alchemy at this point. So I feel like that was Wizards ideas like, oh, summer will just be alchemy time and then standard will get rotation and people can go back to standard. But I don't know if that's going to work out in practice just because people don't really in general don't really seem to like alchemy. Yeah, like. I think that's going to be the the problem, right? Because, like, the alchemy sets in between, like the alchemy Kamigawa, things like that, that was supposed to kind of hold people over for a little bit. Uh, and potentially any rebalances that needed to be done. So, I don't know. I, th- I think I miss core sets or something. Like, just put, like, at this point, is it... Okay, I don't know. Maybe we're conditioned to like constantly. We've been conditioned to kind of just constantly be in a state of spoiler season. So the fact that we're not, yeah, it just feels a little awkward. That's all it is. And no core yeah. set, no nothing. Just four months and then rotation. Right. The next set is rotation because that's September. The next set, yeah, the end of September we'll get Dominator United, and that will also be rotation. But we got a got a little wait. I mean. I guess in paper, it's probably not as big of a deal as it is on Arena, just because in paper, we're going to have double masters, we're going to have all kinds of secret lair drops, we're going to have Commander Legends 2, Baldur's Gate coming out, so we're going to have like a lot of products, but those don't specifically shake up standard, and standard is like by far the most popular way to play on Arena, so I think that's like, that's the part that's a little bit of a bummer, is like, because a, a standard is so important to Arena, having this long gap where you're not going to change to standard in specific even though there's all kinds of other products coming out it'll be interesting to see i'm wondering do you think there's any chance that this summer wins people over to alchemy that was the only other thing i thought so like wizards is clearly they want people to play alchemy there's i don't think there's any debate about that we're gonna have a draftable alchemy set the commander legend set it's gonna have the mastery tree do you think there's any way that like wins people over and they're like okay it's draftable that at least helps with some of the economic concerns that we had i don't really have another option i can play you know three month old standard or i can try out this alchemy stuff do you think there's any chance it wins people over or do you think do you think alchemy's fate is just sealed at this point in the eyes of the community and at this point there's not really anything that's going to turn the public perception of that format you know that i don't know what they could do to to turn it around i mean i i didn't think the format was bad i thought it was just like that like access like actually getting into it right so if if getting like the access to the format and the game and whatnot is the problem, then then I it doesn't matter what they do set wise. They could put Jace the Mind Sculptor in there or something, right? It doesn't matter, right? So or yeah. I, I like the thing here is it's just they need to change that part of it 
Now, if it, if it's the digital aspect of it and the constant reworks and the, you know, cause like there's, if there's a rework and people don't get anything back, it feels kind of bad because then randomly something in Alchemy can be nerfed and it's not like a, a full like wild card refund, which is relevant because the economy is so bad. And the, the, the state of the economy is, I think, the reason why Alchemy failed, to be honest with you. Like the, 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 too many people are scared to buy into it, right? Cause at any point you get nerfed, you know what? No, I'm just going to play standard. Now, if you would have told me, Hey, uh, you can get an alchemy. And if any changes we make immediately, at least guarantees that you get back the wild cards once, yeah. uh, unless a card gets that like would, reworked that into would oblivion. Go, I think that would have went a long way. Like, I think the, the economic concerns are really people's biggest concerns on top of, like the historic stuff a lot of people didn't like although we'll see maybe with explorer being an option maybe that doesn't matter as much because if you're someone who just doesn't want to deal with that in your eternal format you can just play explorer now and it's kind of i think the best of both worlds that if you're someone who likes alchemy cards and all this stuff you have historic to play all that stuff and if you're someone who doesn't well you have a format now as well so for me that like mostly solves any issues i had with historic like i'm fine with historic being the wild west of digital only cards and nerfs and buffs i do wish they would you know refund people and do all that stuff that we've been talking about economically but i'm pretty fine with that now that there's another non-rotating format available to people for people who just want to like opt out of that because really i like magic's at its best when you can play the way you want to so i think having historic for people who want to play with alchemy cards and digital only cards and nerfs and buffs cards and then explore for people who don't like that seems like the perfect solution to me i think yeah i mean maybe maybe this all changes right uh, now that, like, you know, like you had mentioned that we have Explorer and people don't have to worry about, like, historic and digital cards, like, bothering them. Yeah. No, I think that's a good thing. Oh, also, I don't know if you saw this, Grim. Did you see the, the new secret layer drop? I think this is our last topic, a late addition to our, uh, our podcast itinerary because it just came out. Uh, did you happen to see the, the new Pride Across the Multiverse secret layer drop? I have not, actually. I, I, Ooh. I woke up slid out of bed and <laughs> so <laughs> i i just i just linked it in the discord take a look at it it's a it's a really cool idea it's a it's uh half of the profits or half of half uh what is this a 50 percent of each pride across the multiverse purchase will be donated directly to the trevor project the trevor project is uh the world's largest suicide prevention and crisis intervention yes. organization for lgbtq young people i love when wizards is able to do stuff like this with secret layer drops secret layer drops one of the criticisms is it's a money grab it's just something that profits wizards a lot and i really really love when some of that money gets to go to to causes that can use it and can help people so these are my personally my favorite layer drops when when we can actually do some good as a community by buying a product that we want and getting cards that we need so uh, i'm excited about it for that reason but uh what do you think now that you've uh you've taken a look at it crib any chance that this is one you're picking up uh i mean i love what they're doing like what like uh with it like you see ral uh, with their partner, and that's adorable. Uh, I, you get, I, yeah. but like, and then, like, I, I think everything behind this is like pretty, pretty sweet. Uh, I do want that, uh, mana confluence. <laughs> and, uh, and I do mana- play Triumphant Re- Reckoning. So these are all things that I am definitely a fan of so far. Yeah, the, the art is great. Uh, financially, uh, mana confluence is the big winner. They're selling the drop for, uh, 40 bucks non-foil 50 bucks foil it actually is one two three four eight cards in it and the big winner is mana confluence is like a 40 dollar card so if you buy the non-foil version you're essentially getting a mana confluence for about the price that you would buy it for from wherever and then you're also getting a soul ring a bearscape a heartbeat of spring a collective voyage a savor the moments like a 15 dollar card a triumphant reckoning and a leash who smiles at death all with really awesome interesting art so I feel like this is a this is a winner for me as far as secret layer drops. They're they're kind of hit or miss, but this is one that maybe I would actually add to my list of ones to pick up. Yeah, and like doubly so because it's actually supporting a good cause for me. That's like the tiebreaker. The value seems good. The art I like, and you can do some good along the way by in a roundabout way, you know, donating to a cause that's really a huge positive. Anyway, any uh, anything else you want to talk about, Grim, before we get to some fish mail? 
Uh, I think this. Uh, yeah. Let's let's get uh let's get to some fish mail. All right. So we don't have a huge amount of fish mail today, but we do got a couple. So if you'd like to send in fish mail for a future podcast, you can at MTG Goldfish hashtag MTG Fish Mail on Twitter. Uh, so let's see. What do we what do we have here? Uh, do y'all think? Oh, this is from uh, at What are you doing? Seventeen. What are you doing? Seventeen. Do y'all think that some kind of plane chase mechanic would work in a standard set? I think the story is heading in a multi-planar Frexian war set, but I wonder if standard could handle planar cards. Is it too hearthstone? Did you ever play plane chase, Krem? Oh, uh, I, ne- I never got to all? play that. I, I played Arch Enemy. Uh, and that was about it, but I never actually got to play Plane Chase. So, so Plane Chase had these weird plane cards, which I believe, and I didn't get to play a lot of Plane Chase, but I believe they were like kind of like world enchantments that just uh, impacted the entire game uh, and it would have different abilities on them. So it was kind of almost like a like a special event on Arena almost where you start with like that weird emblem that does something. Uh, so Plane Chase had like a little bit of that mixed into it. Do you think there's any chance they would bring something like that to standard? Personally, I'm a little, it feels a little bit too far out to me to actually have like planner cards showing up in standard, but I don't know. Uh, Wizards has shown they're willing to try a lot of new things that they wouldn't have done a few years ago, so maybe it's possible. Yeah, I'm trying to like look up these planner cards again because I don't remember what they did. So, like it's essentially like PvE, so here's, right? Like something would happen. So here's an example: uh, Academy at Teleria West, a uh, plane dominaria. At the beginning of your end step, if you have no cards in hand, draw seven cards, and then whenever you roll a planner die, discard your hand. So that would be an example of. Of how one of them, and they're named after all different planes. Uh, Akum uh, is the Zendikar plane. Players may cast enchantment cards as though they had flash, and then whenever your old planner die, destroy target creature that isn't enchanted. So these are these are like effects that affect uh, the entire game right from the start, I believe, if I'm understanding how these planes work. And really, they they remind me of they remind me of those special events on arena really where there's just this different set of rules that that takes place i could see it being a really fun special event but i don't know if i want i don't know if i'd want these effects to you control like my normal standard games uh yeah so i this feels a bit weird um this feels i don't know how this is like good on 1v1 i feel like this is yeah. probably better like in a PVE, like if I'm trying to play like a deck building uh, game like Ascension or something like that, right? Uh, but I don't know any, any, this or like along the lines of like Arch Enemy, you know, I don't, I don't know if that makes for a good standard. I, I think like, yeah, like I don't think so. I don't think this is like what standard would need. It'd be just another fun format. Maybe they could add to like Arena or something like that that you could try out if you and like a friend wanted to play a co op mode kind of thing. Sure. But, competitively like i can't imagine a gp where we competitively do something like this right <laughs> yeah but and plus our first attempt at making standard into another format with a uh, companions which people might argue tried to make it like commander didn't really go that well for standard so I, i'm doubly skeptical of bringing these like casual cool casual mechanics that are really fun for casual or multiplayer games into competitive standard just because we don't have a great track record of stuff like that working out oh here's here's a good one this one's from siora uh, at Siora 112 since Explorer slash Pioneer is a thing on Arena now do you think Wizards will release higher power level cards like fetches or unbanning bolt and such in Historic I would like to have Historic be more of a wild modern like format with digital only cards what do you think Grim? now that we have a paper adjacent non-rotating format on Arena can we have these cards in historic now? Is it time to up the power level even more and just make it uh, make it really into the vintage or whatever of arena where pretty much anything goes? Put all the powerful stuff in there and, you know, let the magic gods sort it out. I'd like to believe that, yeah, you can, right? I mean, why not now? Like, get as wild as you want with digital stuff. Get as wild as you want with what you drop into the format. I mean, we randomly have, like, Modern Horizons cards, so why not? I guess is the the big question. Uh, it doesn't seem like it hurts the the format any more than what's already like running around. 
Yeah, I mean, I I would like to see that. I think we already have such ridiculous stuff. We have nerfs, we have buffs. Historic is just such a wild place that I think you just uh, let it all let it all in there. Like let it all in there. Up the power, add in fetches, add in whatever. Make it into the uh, the vintage of arena. In worst case, if bolts too good or whatever, then you can just ban it. I actually think that fetches in specific are like. They make so much sense for a format like historic just because you're you're playing in digital. So the downside of fetches of having to shuffle and the time it takes, it basically doesn't exist on arena. So I think at a minimum they should start adding in cards like that and just and that would also help differentiate between explore in historic like there already is differences obviously you don't have the modern horizons cards or the jumpstart cards but i think now that both of those formats exist the more different historic is the better historic's chance of surviving is long term uh, when it's fighting against explore and eventually pioneer that's exactly what has to happen now right like it has to find a way to differentiate itself from uh like the other formats and feel like it kind of grow into its own right so yeah, like that's that's how it's gonna outlast because I think uh Richard when he was here last week, right? We we kind of had a little bit of a talk on it all, and and it's like I think Richard's in the camp that potentially historic doesn't make it after this. I I'm actually like kinda in that camp too. I think it's gonna make it for a while, but unless they can really differentiate the formats, I think that Pioneer will win out once we have full Pioneer. Like however many months or years that is in the future. I think not that historic would necessarily disappear, but I think its popularity would start to fade. But if they can really make it into the vintage of arena and you have all this different stuff that isn't legal in Pioneer, because one of the foundational aspects of pioneers no fetch lands like yeah. fetch lands would be in the format they were in the right sets in the format and wizards right from the start they didn't ban anything except for fetch lands and then they did the ban as we go play test and ban every couple of weeks which i love that was like such a fun time to play pioneer uh, but that was the choice that they made so i think something like fetch lands that is a really really easy way to make historic seem different and play different and feel different than uh than pioneer does or explorer does yeah all right, one one more question. I think this question is a is an interesting one. This is from a Chef Cheesy915 and it says, "Of the current sets in standard, what do you think is the best thing each set has offered?" For example, Adventures of the Forgotten Realm gave us creature lands, Innistrad gave us blood tokens, what do you think? What is what stands out the most for each set in standard crib? So let's let's start with a let's start with the beginning. What is what is the first one? Zendikar Rising. That's the the oldest set in standard. What for you? The one thing from that set? What did it What did it give to the magic world? MDFCs. Zendikar Rising has oh. to be MDFCs. Uh, those those cards have been really good. Right. It's allowed us to lower land count. Uh, or like not really lower land count, but like get more use out of our lands. So essentially how we have creature lands, right? This is now like a spell land, essentially. Some of them could be creatures. Sure. Um, and I think a thing that's going to be really relevant is, uh, or at least again, uh, is some of the specific hate cards that we could get. Like, so Archon of Amiria to shut down ruins for standard, right? They can only play one. Uh, and then, of course, you have Shadow's Verdict, where there's a world of Obnixilis. If things go wild, you can just play Shadow's Verdict and exile every Obnixilis. And then, uh, you know, you get some of the powerful mill spells, like Maddening Cacophony, but mostly, I think the standout thing has got to be MDFCs. I I definitely agree. The the MDFCs, the land spell MDFCs, that definitely sticks out for me for Zendika Rising as well. Next up, we have Keldheim. Keldheim's a little bit of a tricky one. Ah. <sighs> If you want to go go deep, my choice would actually be Snow Hate. They didn't go far enough with it, but if you remember when Modern Horizons, uh, Modern Horizons first release, original Modern Horizons, we had all these very push snow cards. The problem is there was no way to hate on snow cards, so everyone in Modern was just always playing Snowlands. There was no downside, so you would just always play them, even just for the bluff value. And then finally in Keldheim, we got the return of snow in Standard, and we didn't get a ton of ways to punish snow, but we got something like Redane. There were enough things that you could at least make the argument that snow based basics were not strictly better than normal basics so i think that's what i would pick from Kaldheim. but i don't know you got any other ideas uh, about Kaldheim? i think foretell 
Uh, in the yeah, scope that's a good of, choice too. In the scope of standard, right? We're talking strictly in the scope of standard. Then, then foretell has to be uh, uh, like right. I'm, uh, is that the original question? Uh, I don't think or, I don't think they specified standard in specific. But it said of sets in standard. What do you think is the best thing each set offered? So I guess you can read it either way. Honestly, for standard, I think I would agree. Foretell. If we're staying away from like individual cards, I guess if you wanted to go individual cards, it's probably ah, chariot or gold span. Like those are two cards that have just yeah. had. Or Valky, huge impact. Valky would be another one as well. Well, actually, no, that's actually, if we're going outside of standard, Valky getting Simeon Spirit Guide banned and changing the way Cascade works actually had a pretty big impact on the game as a whole just because of Valky slash Tibal. Yeah. If if we're talking about, well, if we're going outside of standard, yeah, much like that, I was going to just mention Valky because it did get Simeon Spirit Guide banned. Uh, But if we're going within standard, I think it's gotta yeah. be uh Fortel. Fortel is pretty good. What about uh what about Strixhaven? Strixhaven Strixhaven's a tough one. If uh, if we're sticking to standard, it's tricky. I would say mystical archives are the thing that I remember most about the set and that stand out the most, because that was something different. But those didn't actually impact standard. They impacted limited and historic and so forth. What about for standard? What sticks out to you, Grim? Uh it's gotta be I mean if it it's got to be lessons, right? Like a divide what? by zero. Uh, all it that took stuff. a while. Yeah, yeah. Like it took. It a took while. a while, but lessons ended up actually having a a very big impact on standards. So yeah, I think that's that's a great choice, and that's a really unique mechanic. Adventures in the Forgotten Realm. I think our our OP here might actually might actually just be dead on with creature lands. Like that set dungeons i guess you could argue uh, although no, they've no, been no. kind of a flop <laughs> as far as power level so i guess creature lands is really all it has going for it how about uh the innistrad sets uh, I, let's lump them together midnight hunt and crimson vow what what was the biggest thing we got out of those so i'm thinking here like at least for huh that that's that's an interesting one see so like for these sets if, if we're going around like individual cards I think the the night and day mechanic being con- like a lot easier to activate and constantly be going back and forth now is a uh, like almost everything in the set made it like night and day uh and stuff like yep. that. At least that would be for a uh, midnight hunt. And then you have yeah, yeah. The other thing I would sh- shout out would be uh actually the land cycle and this uh, might be cheating a little bit but the land cycle especially if you look beyond standard has actually had a a pretty big impact showing up in some older formats like pioneer and historic and explorer and also becoming just a really solid commander land cycle so after kind of like not having a dual land cycle and having the creature lands in Adventures and Forgotten Realms and having the the god awful snarls in Strixhaven. <laughs> it was the first time in a while that we actually had a had a really solid rare land cycle that had an impact across format. So that's one that I definitely remember too. All right, last last one. Last one cuz Streets of New Capen is too new. Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Ooh. For me it's ninjas. I just, I love ninjas. That's all I wanted was the return of ninjutsu. Yes, they haven't raked in any formats, but for me, that's that's what I was looking forward to. And Wizards came through. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm the first person to tell you if I love, because I love ninjas myself, but I felt like ninjas just never got that payoff that I was looking for. Like, if it, this is one yeah. of the things, I love the set to death. Like, it's still one of my favorite sets. Uh, It's just, I wish there was a second set to complete out some of these tribes and things, right? So I think for me, the biggest takeaway from Neon Dynasty has to be Channel. Channel has been an absolute house of an ability, whether it's attached to any of the lands like Besaju, which has made its way back to modern. Uh, and then, of course, I mean, Wandering Emperor, I know we're not trying to get into any one specific card, but Wandering Emperor is just so good, right? Like, it's... it's oh. It's yeah. just proven to be like that good. A flash planeswalker that can just do pretty much everything like that. That's just cool in a design space uh, way too. But yeah, channel ha- has to be the biggest thing for me to take away from it. Uh, it's just another. It's, yeah, it, channel it, it's, done right for yeah, once. Like yeah. the first time around, channel wasn't like super powerful, but wizards actually nailed it. The one other honorable mention. 
kind of vehicles the return of powerful oh, vehicles yeah. i know Azika's chariot is like very powerful and not from that set but discounting that one which is a little cheaty because it just puts a bunch of creatures on the battlefield we actually got good vehicles for the first time in quite a while in the set which was cool I, that was oh, that's just such a good set there's so many yeah. awesome aspects of kamigawa like wizards just hit it out of the park with that one for sure yeah I, I i love that set to death and they, they nailed it on every front there so except for vehicle, except for ninjas that's that's the only one that made me sad anyway i think that is all for our fish mail today so again if you got questions for next week hashtag them mtg fish mail at mtg goldfish on twitter and that also brings us to the end of episode 379 of the mtg goldfish podcast so Krim, thanks for hanging out thanks to everyone for listening thanks to card conduit for supporting the show and we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic so until then have a wonderful week everyone and this is the crew signing out